Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. probably heard the distinction between a telescope and a microscope. A microscope is used to take something small and to make it big so that we can better examine it. Whereas a telescope takes something that's far away and brings it closer so that we can see it better. Some people think that Christianity is just one big microscope that the Bible is just one big microscope, that it, it, it blows things out of proportion, that it majors on the minor details, and that it's just really a drag. It really, it really wants to get into the details of, of our life and, and tell us what we can and can't do. And that's wrong. Christianity and Scripture is a telescope. The, the Bible is meant to look at God's glory, the biggest thing in the universe, and to bring it closer so that we can see it more fully. This morning we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 20, and this is Paul taking the telescope and, and pointing it at Christ and pointing it at the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ so that we can see them more closely and so that we can enjoy what we see. Let's read Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 20. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, 
that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated us with him at his right hand in the heavenly places. This passage breaks down into two pieces. In verses 3 through 14, Paul looks at the spiritual blessings that are available to us in Jesus. And then in verses 15 through 20, Paul prays for us that we would see and enjoy those blessings. Let's look at verses 3 through 14. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we talk about being blessed, we, we often think about it with one another. Maybe, maybe you've experienced this. A, a family member gives you a gift, and you say, oh, thank you, for the, thank you for the gift. This was a real blessing to me. You made my life better. You blessed me. You gave me something that serves me well in this gift. That's not the type of blessing that Paul's talking about here. We can't bless God that way. There's nothing that we can give to God that he needs that he he doesn't have. There's no lack in God. There's nothing that we can provide for God and and bless him in that way. What Paul's getting after here, when he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he means, let God be considered blessed. Let us bless God. Let's praise God for who he is. That's, that's a really familiar concept in Scripture. We're, we're told to praise God on almost every page of Scripture. So then the question for us is, okay, why should I praise God? What's so good about God that I should praise him? And Paul says, I am happy to answer that question. The, the rest of verse 3 through 14 is meant to answer that question, why should we consider God blessed? Why should we praise God He answers it in in the second half of three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We should praise God because God has given us every good thing that exists in heaven through Jesus Christ. I'm a 90s kid, which means that I grew up watching DuckTales. Yeah, some of you know. DuckTales, the main character, Scrooge McDuck, he's the richest duck in Ducksburg. And he's got this vault, this immense building that's filled with treasure. It's full of gold coins. And he's got this diving board and he goes into his vault and he jumps off the diving board and swims in his money. He's got this vast, vast wealth. And Paul is saying that God is the owner of vast wealth, more than Scrooge McDuck. God owns everything. And and in heaven, there is a vast storehouse of riches. And Jesus is the key that unlocks that storehouse of riches. And God gives us that key in Jesus. In Jesus, we have every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. And Paul lists five of those spiritual blessings here. Five of the main good gifts that exist in heaven and are given to us. Verse 4 is the first one. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. The first spiritual blessing that we receive from God through Jesus 
is that God chooses us to be holy and blameless before him. I heard a, I heard a pastor once who, talk about this. He said that when he was a child, he had a lot of physical problems, a lot of health problems. So he was physically frail as a child, and he hated when they would play games at recess where the captains would pick, right? You're playing kickball, and the two captains pick. What do the captains pick? They pick the best players. They pick the most athletic kids first. He said, I was always picked last because everybody knew I was weak and small and frail. Nobody wanted me on their team. That's us spiritually. We are broken. We are sinful. We are messy. There's no reason that God would choose us. We don't bring anything to the team. We'd have to be hidden in right field. And yet God chooses us And he chooses us to be holy and blameless before him. We are not holy and blameless people. We are not worthy of that designation. We are unholy, blame-filled people. Unholy, guilty people. And yet, before the foundation of the world, God chose us to make us holy and blameless through Jesus. It's the first spiritual blessing. Second spiritual blessing, verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. This is similar to that first spiritual blessing. God chose us and God also predestined us. God destined us before we were born, destined us before the foundation of the world to be adopted by him, to be brought in to his family as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we become children of God. The, the picture here is we, we are the prodigal children, we are the prodigal son. We are, we are uh, fatherless, homeless, chi- we, are, we are familyless. We are without any relations because of our sin. We have left home. We have disowned our father because of our sin. And we have squandered what little we had. And now we find ourselves in the pig pen covered in filth, eating pig food. And in that, in that condition, the older brother left his father's house, searched us out, hopped the fence, climbed into the muck and the mire, scooped us up, brought us back, washed us off, gave us his best clothes, and presented us to the Father. And now the Father looks at us clean, wearing the oldest son's garments, and says, you are my son and daughter. You belong to me forever. You are my child once more. Third spiritual blessing, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will 
according to, the pur- to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Third spiritual blessing is that in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We have been redeemed by Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. We have been forgiven for our sins. I've been, I've been listening to a podcast called The History of Rome, which is, it is what it sounds like. It's the, it's the history of Rome. So it's this ancient history. It's been really interesting. And one, one of the things that I've, that I've seen, that, I, that I've learned more about, is the way that debt worked in the ancient world. Now, nowadays, we have bankruptcy court. And so if, if we find ourselves in, in debt that we can't repay, we can file bankruptcy and we can be forgiven our debts. There's, there's consequences for that. And it's, it's difficult to rebuild after a bankruptcy, but we can get our lives back through bankruptcy court. There's no, no such thing in the ancient world. In the ancient world, if you, if you became deeply indebted, indebted to a point that you couldn't pay off, you had essentially three options. First option is that the, per, the debtor, the, the person with that uh, you owed money to, the person you owed money to could forgive your debts. Now, we're sla- we are indebted to sin, and sin has no interest in forgiving us. So that, that option is out for us. So we're not going to be forgiven our debts. The second option is slavery, is bondage to our, the one that we owe money to. And that's, that's what would happen in the ancient world. You can't pay off your debts, and so now you belong to the person that you owe money to. You are their slave. You and your family belong to them until you're dead or until you pay it back. And that, that's us. We are slaves to our sin. We are stuck in bondage to sin. But there's a third option. That third option is that someone could come in and redeem you. Someone could come in and pay your debts on your behalf. And that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus comes and he redeems us, pays off our debt through his blood, the most valuable currency that exists, the blood of Christ. God comes in, Jesus comes in, writes a check to pay off our debts. He redeems us through his blood. He forgives our trespasses. Where, where does he get the capital? Where does he get the, the uh, resources to pay off our debt? It's according to the riches of his grace. Remember, there's this spiritual storehouse in heaven. There's this heavenly treasure room that will never run out. And so Jesus comes in and he says, I've got plenty. I can pay this debt. I have the resources. You don't, but I do. And I'm happy to pay it. And he does it, not in a stingy way, but verse 8, he lavishes his riches upon us. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. I love that picture. We have three little kids, and we are, uh, we are careful about their sugar intake, right? They, they, they will take as much sugar as they are given. And so they come to us, Mommy, Daddy, can we have a treat? Sure, yeah, you can have a bowl of ice cream, Right? Small bowl, those little bowls, you, those little plastic bowls you got from Target. Small bowl of ice cream, one scoop. Here you go, buddy. Here's your ice cream. Thanks, mom and dad. They eat the ice cream. We have neighbors. They they shall go unnamed. Who 
who love to test that theory that kids will take as much sugar as they're given. <laughs> right? Uh, Mom and dad are a little stingy with the sugar, and we have neighbors who are lavish with the ice cream. You want some, you want some ice cream? Sure. Let's get out the mixing bowl and start scooping, scooping it in, right? That's what, that's what neighbors, that's what grandparents are for, right? They, they, they lavish that treat on their kids, and we love that. Um, that's, that's Jesus with us. That's, that's God's heart for us, right? He's not just giving us a thimble full of grace, just enough to cover our debts. He's lavishing his grace on us. He's taking the dump truck of God's blessings, backing it up, and unloading on us. More grace than we could ever need. More grace than we could ever ask for is ours through Jesus. He amply pays off our spiritual debts. Fourth spiritual blessing, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. There's Every one of these spiritual blessings, Paul is careful to say that these are in him, in Christ, through Christ, by Christ. The spiritual storehouse is locked. Jesus is the key. If you have Jesus, the spiritual storehouse is open. If you don't have Jesus, it's closed to you. So in him, in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined. So that brings us back up to that second spiritual blessing being predestined for adoption. We've, we've been predestined to be sons and daughters of, of God through our oldest brother, Jesus. And what's the result of our adoption? We receive an inheritance. What do children get from mom and dad? An inheritance. Whatever is mom and dad's eventually becomes the kids. And it's the same for us as children of God. As God's sons and daughters, we have a birthright from him. We are going to receive an inheritance. And the inheritance that we receive is everything that God owns, namely everything. The universe becomes ours in Christ. Heaven the new heavens and new earth, we will own it with God the Father. He, he will hand it over to us and we will enjoy it forever. We're not tenants. We're not just passing through. We are children living at home with our Father in the universe and everything in it is ours. And Paul says that he does this According to, the, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. You and I make plans. You and I hold counsel. We decide, we, we prepare for the future. And then our plans change. And then something pops up that we weren't anticipating. Something happens outside of our control and we have to adjust our plans. And, and the thing that we were intending to do doesn't happen, but instead something different happens. That has never once happened to God. God has never once made a plan, and that plan was forced to change. 
He has never once desired something and not gotten what he desired. If God plans it, it happens. And so God has planned for us to receive an inheritance. We are going to receive an inheritance. It's a done deal. And, and what's the, the goal of that? To the, that it might be to the praise of his glory. And that brings us to our fifth spiritual blessing. In him, in Jesus, again, Jesus is the key. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. The fifth spiritual blessing is the Spirit. The Spirit comes to reside in us. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of that inheritance. The fourth blessing is this inheritance from our Father. The Holy Spirit is like the down payment, the earnest money, the first fruits of that inheritance. We, we know that we will receive the inheritance because God never lies and nothing that God desires ever fails. But we also know that we will receive the inheritance because we already have part of it. If you are trusting in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is working in you to change your desires, to change your affections, and to testify that you belong to God. That's already happening. And if that's happening, we can trust that it will increase in the future. Revelation 21, the new heavens and the new earth, what's the greatest promise in Revelation 21 is that I myself will be their God and they will be my people and I will dwell with them. The best blessing of heaven is God. We will spend eternity in God's presence with God. And now, while we're waiting for that, that hasn't happened yet, he has sent his Holy Spirit to live with us. So right now we have the Holy Spirit. In eternity, we will have the whole trinity. Face to face, we will be with God, but now we have the Holy Spirit to prepare us for that day. When does that happen? When do we receive the Holy Spirit? Verse 13, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The moment of your spiritual birth, you received the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, if you are trusting in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. There is no second baptism. There is no second blessing. If you trust in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit immediately. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. So those are the five spiritual blessings. First, God chooses us to be holy and blameless. Second, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus. Third, he redeemed us by the blood of Jesus. Fourth, he gives us an inheritance as his sons and daughters. And then finally, fifth, he gives us his Holy Spirit as a down payment of that inheritance. Those are, that, those are the spiritual blessings. That's the spiritual storehouse that exists in heaven that has been opened up to us as Christians. And because God has done that, he is worthy of, of praise. He is worthy of being considered blessed. And having, having laid out those spiritual blessings, Paul shifts 
to a prayer that he's praying for the church. He prayed for the church in Ephesus, and he's, he prays for us. And that we, so this is my prayer for you and our prayer for each other. 15, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Lord Jesus, and your love toward all the saints. In other words, because I heard that you're Christians, because I heard that you're trusting in Jesus and loving each other, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I'm thankful for you, and when I think of you, I pray. Paul, Paul prays for this church, and here's what he prays: that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. He's praying this Trinitarian prayer. He's praying that the God of our Father, Lord Jesus, the, the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, excuse me, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would give you the spirit of wisdom and, and revelation. So he's praying that the Holy Spirit would be at work in us, that God the Father would be at work in us, and that Jesus Christ the Son would be at work in us. And he's praying for a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 18, I think, is the key. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know. Paul is praying for spiritual eyesight for Christians. He's praying that our eyes would be open and that our minds would be clear to see the glory that is there. A couple of weeks ago, Christina and I went to Florida. We took our kids, our, our whole, Christina's whole family went, there were 13 of us. We flew to Orlando, and then we rented a van and went to Daytona Beach Shores. So Daytona Beach Shores, about an hour and a half from Orlando, uh, and we got, a, we got a house, we rented a house right on the beach. Okay, And we planned this trip, I think, back in January or February, a couple months ago. And we have been preparing our kids for this trip. We've been telling them about the ocean. We're going to go to the ocean. It's just going to be incredible. Describing the ocean, it's, it's big, it's loud, uh, it's blue, right? It's, it's beautiful. We're trying to prepare our kids for the ocean. Uh, our kids have, prior to last week, our kids have been to Iowa and Minnesota. That's it. They're young. They're little. They've only been to Iowa and Minnesota. Uh, I think Jack went to Wisconsin once. And so our children are very landlocked, right? And they didn't know what the ocean was. They've seen it on TV. They've seen pictures. They've heard about it. But they've never experienced it for themselves. And so we're trying to describe it to them. And we're, we're doing the best that we can. But then, finally, we get to the ocean. So we're, we're driving, and, and uh, Daytona Beach Shores is this tiny little strip of land, and there's an inlet from between the mainland and, and Daytona Beach Shores. And so when you get there, you have to go over this bridge, and it's kind of a tall bridge so that boats can go under it. 
And so you get to this bridge, and we're, we're driving, and I'm, I'm looking at the GPS, and I know that we're almost there. And I tell the kids, okay, we're really, really close. We're almost there. You're going to see the ocean. It's really cool. And then we go up this bridge, and you get to the top of that bridge, and there it is. There's the ocean, right? Just immense. And I didn't have to describe it anymore at that point, Right? All they had to do is look. For them to see how good and how beautiful and how glorious the ocean was, they didn't have to listen to me anymore. They just had to look and see it. And they were looking. They, their eyes were wide open and wow. They were just amazed. They were blown away. It exceeded our description big time. And they just, they lost it. They it's the coolest thing they had ever seen, and they loved it. That's Paul's prayer for us. Paul's prayer is that our eyes would be open and that we would see the vastness of God's glory. And I can describe it to you. You can describe it to each other. We can talk about Jesus, but when you see him yourself, that's what changes everything. That's when our hearts come alive. So my prayer for you is that you would see it for yourself. Not my description of it, not what you've read in books, but that through Scripture you would see God's glory and be forever changed by it. My kids have now seen the ocean and they know for themselves what I'm talking about. I want to close with this. Um, the, the house that we were on, like I said, it, it was right on the ocean. Um, the beach was, was there. It had these big windows so you could see the ocean, just really, really pretty. Um, so it was ocean, beach, house, and then there was a street, the road to get to that house. And then on the other side of the street were other houses. Now imagine living across the street from the ocean. What a bummer, right? You're, that, you're close, but you, you're, you're not there, right? I, I would imagine that houses on that side of the street are a little cheaper than houses on the other side, but you're on, you're on the ocean almost. And it was interesting to see those houses. Uh, a lot of those houses had a deck on top of the roof, now, we don't do that here. We don't build decks on top of our roofs. But they did there, and why, why would they do that? Because they want to go up on the roof, higher than the neighbor's house, so that they can see the ocean. They're close to the ocean, and they want to be able to see it for themselves. We have a choice. We have access to God's glory. We have access to the, to the spiritual storehouses that are ours through Jesus. We have access to all the, all the beauty of Christ. And we can live on the main floor of our house. We can, we can spend our time downstairs. We can spend our time obsessing over the little things. We can spend our time staring in the mirror and making ourselves big and, and worrying about this temporary life and, and just absorbed in ourselves. Or we can go up on the roof and we can look at the ocean and see what's there. 
we can see something that's bigger than us, something that's better than us, something that's more glorious than us. We can leave our little house of cards and stare at the one that really deserves the glory and the honor. So that, that's, the, that's the choice that we have. Are we going to live across the street from the ocean and never pay attention? Or are we going to look so that we can see it, so that the eyes of our hearts can be open to enjoy Jesus for who he really is? Let's pray. Father, we can't do this ourselves. We can't give ourselves spiritual eyes. We need you to do it. I can, I can talk until I'm blue in the face about how good you are, how beautiful you are, how glorious you are, but until we see it with our spiritual eyes, it, none of it means anything. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come, land in the hearts of these people, open their eyes and let them see the glory that really is there. Help us, help us to look through the telescope so that that thing that's out there would come close and that we would see it and rejoice forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.